Hey everybody, this is Jesse Humphrey, and you're listening to After the Gig Podcast. It's National Podcast Day, so you should definitely leave this one on, because it's a special one. Liz Longley is on today. If you're new to the podcast, thank you, first of all. Thank you so much. If you're a fan of Liz's, make sure you go check out our Kickstarter campaign. Um, she's releasing a new record, buying it back from her label, and um, she fun- she basically funded it within hours of launching it. But um, she keeps going, and she's going to keep adding more stuff that she's going to do. She's going to make a music video, all-, all kinds of stuff. So go check that out. I think it's up to like over a hundred thousand dollars or something something absolutely um amazing liz and i went to berkeley at the same time together um we didn't really know each other then but we got to know each other from traveling around on the road together and uh while she was opening for stephen kellogg and now for for carbon leaf a bunch which is just great and stay tuned to the end of the podcast because she performs one of her brand new songs from her new album that has not been released yet at the end of the podcast. And please don't skip over the whole thing. (laughs) But if you do, I hope you enjoy that performance at the end. Um, Other than that, other than checking out the Kickstarter, check out the podcast, um, the After the Gig Patreon page. There's exclusive content, extra podcasts. There's all kinds of stuff. So go in there and check it out. And please, please consider supporting the podcast. It's www.patreon.com slash After the Gig. Also, um, you can email into the show after the gig pod at gmail.com. Please consider doing that. I love hearing from all of you. Um, and other than that, that's kind of it. I'm kind of hanging out here at the Crescent Ballroom in Phoenix, Arizona. We are on tour right now. I'm on tour with Carbon Leaf. So we're here tonight. We're in San Diego tomorrow. This kind of starts off a little bit of a crazy run. We're, we're just we're playing every night. It was barely a day off. So um, San Diego tomorrow night, L.A., San Francisco, Portland, two nights in Seattle, Spokane or Spokane, however it's pronounced, and then we kind of just keep heading east. So check out the tour dates at carbonleaf.com. Get some tickets. It's been a really, really great tour. Um, And I'm not just saying that. It's been good vibes all around. It's been great shows. Um, We're playing, uh, we're playing a lot of different stuff that we don't normally play. So it's been, it's been really great. If you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, I hope you stick around. Um, and uh yeah i'm not gonna go too crazy with this make sure you stick around for that performance at the end um and i hope i hope you all have a great week uh um and happy national podcast day happy national podcast day please 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 enjoy this podcast with my great friend and very very talented and wonderful liz longley oh my heart Trouble, I've got trouble too Oh, my life is arm in arm with you When you've got trouble, I've got trouble
<laughs> well, since you're like short on time, or since we're short on time, let's just jump right in. Okay. You have a new record coming out. I do. Or you're going to have it coming out. So you um, just say a little something, something. This is the little something, something. Okay. Perfect. Um, did you already make this record? I made this record. When did you make the record? What's in, the name of it? It's called Funeral from My Past. Okay. And uh, I made it in December of 2019 with Paul Moak, who's one of my favorite producers it's in impossible. town. Why? 2018. Oh, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> like, what year is it? I made it in a couple months, <laughs> and it's done. I made it in a few months. <laughs> 2018 thank you i'm already thinking 2020 um yeah so i made it a long time ago it feels like Mm -hmm. and i was on a label slash kind of m still at the moment um and you know usually you hand a record and it comes out four months later there's a plan there's a rollout it's ready to go and you just jump right into it at least that's been my experience the past two records that i've released on a label and um things have just shifted so much in my label that by the time i handed it in there was no response i mean in what way did they shift like you just oh they merged they got bought the people oh. who signed me aren't there anymore so you feel like you just got kind of like lost in the shuffle 100 percent. those are the exact words oh, i use that yeah. is the worst so. yes very privet <laughs> um so you you feel like you got lost in the shuffle and so have you heard from anyone since i was being in my in my mind annoying just trying to get a response like what is what's going on like what's the plan yeah. where are we at with this and i just never got a solid answer They're just giving you the runaround exactly and it was just after a while after sitting on this music for so long and i've toured the, i've started to tour these songs because i want to sing these new songs mm-hmm. and just getting the runaround and not being able to release the record <laughs> Could you make Gary's very quiet. <laughs> He's a very quiet human being. He has twenty keys attached to a satchel. Anyway. Anyway. Um Sorry. Oh it's fine. No, it's fine. This You're is, the soundtrack to our podcast. Um all right, so you you have the record, you got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And now you're like, I gotta release these songs. Yeah. I can't wait any longer. So the next move is what you're doing now is you're having to purchase it yes from the label exactly are you purchasing it like at like for a deal like what how is that at cost work? at, at cost. cost yeah okay. so it costs them $35,000 to hire the producer the musicians mm-hmm. the mixing the mastering all that's already done yeah. that's what was so frustrating I'm like it's done it's done it's, it's done like, just I've handed you what I believe to be my best work mm-hmm. and everyone who's heard it believes that as well and you know what's kind of crazy i was actually going through my emails today is there were a lot of people at the label that wrote me and said they loved it you know they're like really? this is my favorite record of yours or i love the direction that you've gone so it's just kind of before like before the merge and stuff like that no it was then? just like it okay. wasn't it was oh my God, <laughs> that was a laptop was just terrible. on concrete so oh i hope that works for you those those apples are strong though yeah that won't that oh them apples anyway it was just time i just i got the hint you know what i mean yeah and i i honestly you know i'm engaged to a music manager and someone who's worked with a ton of independent artists and helped i think launch 36 successful kickstarter campaigns and he was just encouraging me to go independent and that oh wow i didn't realize he seems like this is my first time meeting him and he's like sweetheart yeah he's such a teddy bear such a sweetheart when did you guys get engaged uh in may in turks and caicos on vacation with our friends that's so nice look at that rock on i know it's beautiful can't you see the shine through the podcast (laughs) 
uh, he did really good. I didn't even help him. That was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's nice so, when it's a surprise. I surprised, yes. I surprised my wife. Yeah. And she had no idea yeah. what was happening. It's amazing. It was fun. That's so exciting. Yeah, it, it's been an incredible couple of months, but it's kind of random to be, not random, it's kind of um, surprising that I'm at this like huge transition in my life with the record and my personal life, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of all coming together, I think, in a really good way. So. Yeah, and then you're, you're kind of cutting ties with that... Um, with with the label and you're doing starting to do your own thing and then yeah. also having new music to, yeah. to kind of propel yourself forward the title track funeral from my past i wrote that before i knew any of this was going to happen mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's extremely fitting because now i it's this I, it's this song about letting go of things that don't serve you anymore or burden you or um and here it is. This is me literally having a funeral from my past. And then there's this other side that's like been, I think as of now, it's like 310 incredibly generous Kickstarter backers. Yeah. So you put up your Kickstarter. We talked about it a little bit before, but you put Couple up your Kickstarter ago. a few hours ago and you were trying to raise 45,000. Yeah. And you raised 50, over 50,000. I think it's at 55 now, which is, is insane. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I could double check, but. That's oh, my imp- mom just texted me. You're so close to 55. My mom's very invested in this. I'm, I'm sure she is. <laughs> that is incredible. Like, yeah. how does that make you feel? It must make you feel... It's. It just makes me feel so connected because I've spent my life touring and my favorite thing to do is feel connected to the people that I'm playing music for in mm-hmm. whatever way that is. And and when I'm on stage, I feel it. And then after show, when I get to meet people and shake their hands, and my favorite thing is when they open up to me and tell me what these songs mean to them. Like, that's yeah. the ultimate. And um, this is just another way they just make me feel like what I'm doing is worth something to them. And um, they're so such a huge part of my life, and it, it just feels so great to feel that i'm a part of their lives too yeah your last record was one of one of my favorites it was like thank I listened you to it a lot and thank you yeah your music is just oh it has you have the ability to connect with people on like a deeper level thank you which, I is, appreciate which is that. awesome um so now do you still feel the same way about these songs and even oh since gosh. you wrote it like yes that's the thing it has okay. not died off for me at all no all right. pun intended with funeral from my past but um <laughs> i think these are the best songs that i've ever written and i just feel so connected to them and like the songs like funeral from my past i mean that's a song that just keeps like gaining meaning in my life you yeah. know so and a so lot of them are you, like that what makes you feel like as a songwriter what makes you feel like those are your best songs like what exactly about the songs is it just because it's like the current thing you're going through or Mm -hmm. is it actually because melodically you feel like it's it's one of the better things you've done or like what for you what's a good question what makes it feel like the best you've ever done well i'll be totally honest Mm -hmm. i before i made this record i felt like two records go was the best i'd ever written okay and so i just didn't feel that way about weightless yeah i felt like i had a little bit you feel that way about weightless um i don't know like lyrically there was sometimes moments where i wanted more from myself okay and this is how i gauge it do i want to sing that song every night okay and i still find until this record comes out which will change everything but i still find that like 75% 75% of my set list was stuff that wasn't off of Weightless, which I, I mm. was really shocked. Like, by the time that record came off, came out, I was like, wait, I don't, I'm not dying to add any of these songs to the set list. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I guess, how I gauge it. It's like, do I want to play this every night? Does this still resonate with me? Okay. Um, and is yeah. that like, 
Does it have to be a lyrically a lyric yes, thing? Yes, one hundred percent. It's always a lyric thing. It's a lyric thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe partially like how it feels when I'm singing it to people. Like, do I feel like it's just kind of floating into the abyss, or do I feel like it's connecting? And I can feel a difference. Yeah. For me, when I whenever I'm listening to something that I really like, and it's not always I don't always gravitate towards the the lyrics first Mm -hmm. i will eventually but like do you ever it's it's so hard to explain that feeling of like the sound and the melody and the lyrics all just kind of like throb like throbbing together does that Mm -hmm. absolutely you know what i mean like it's like you go and hit a note and everything is just perfectly like i mean your intonation is ridiculous so it's like when you hear it and it just it it's almost like a tick. It like scratches an itch. You yes. know what I mean? Like yes. it, it, you gets that weird, you know. Well, not to get like hippy dippy, but I feel like I feel like it's an energy thing. Like mm-hmm. I like think you're feeling the room. Yeah, and I think that when a melody, if it didn't have, if it, if you never heard the words, if it felt like what you were saying, mm-hmm. then it's a, a, a it's a great parent. Like when when those two are paired well, and then the production is paired well with it, mm-hmm. I feel like you're you're setting it up to resonate with someone. Whereas you could have a great song that isn't produced right, that doesn't resonate as well, or great lyrics, but the melody doesn't match the feeling of it. And I'm yeah. um, that's the thing I care about the most is like, do they are they saying the same things if you were to separate them? Okay, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense? sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, you want your your music and your lyrics to be cohesive. Yeah, and that's I think the word. Pat Patterson, yes. prosody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Prosody is my favorite word, but unfortunately, it's not a commonly known songwriting term. So right. Well, I but, read that. You know, I was trying to get better at <clears throat> writing songs and stuff yeah. and lyrics, and I read I read through one of his books, and it's like. It kind of it kind of changed things for me. It really changed things for me. That just book reading, is a game changer. Just reading the book, and then I took an online class with him, and um, it was just great. It was great. And even if like the songs that I write aren't like the best in the world, I feel like I'm doing my best work yeah. now because I know more. Yeah. You know, the more you know, I guess. Pat Patterson completely changed me as a songwriter, mm. and I'm so grateful for that because when I went to Berkeley, I thought, okay. I just need to learn how to write a song. That's yeah. what I need to learn how to do. And taking his, excuse me, his classes and Scarlett Keys's classes were just, they were, they were, I mean, I wish I could just go back and take them every day. Yeah. So beneficial. You mentioned the, um, the production on your new, on your new album that's yeah. coming out. Yeah. I'm very excited for it. Um, yeah. probably not as much as you. <laughs> no, I'm excited. <laughs> um, but who played on it? What what kind of vibe is it? You know, you've been playing tons of solo shows, and I'd love to talk about your kind of touring and how you do that on your own. But like, um, who played on it? What kind of instru- instrumentation and yeah. all that stuff? We we this is we kept it pretty simple in my mind to start. Like mm-hmm. we we did we live tracked almost everything, so we had three or four days of live tracking. I think it was four. We did. We aimed to do three songs a day. Um, Fred Eltringham on drums, okay. who was phenomenal. Just an incredible. There, every time he went into the room, he played the thing that ended up being the final thing. Like yeah. one of those. Yeah, moments. that's great. That's great. Tony Lacido on bass. Um, he was not that way. He would he would play something and come in and critique 
the hell out of what mm-hmm. he played and we're like, you, whatever, you're a genius, you know? And then yeah. he'd go, no, let me try this. Let me try this. And, and then he would nail it and it would add this beautiful new aspect to the song yeah. that added more interest. It was really cool. I love playing with people like that, that don't yeah. just settle for the thing that is like what you're supposed to do. You know, yeah, the yeah. thing that is like, okay, we can do it this way. But let's see if we can really get something special. Yeah, and I think that there's there's this fine line of trying too hard. Oh, and yeah, for sure. Trying to make it unique or different or weird or whatever. Yeah, just, but, just to make it unique and different. Yeah, but he seemed to still just serve the song and elevate the song. And and um, Paul Moe produced it, and he played guitar. He I think he ended up singing a little bit, too. Um and this amazing guitar player, Chris, I am so sorry, I'm blanking on his last name, but he just added beautiful textures with his playing. And um, the song that I wrote, Torture, he thought of this idea to go somewhere else with it. We actually filmed um, like 70% of the record making process. So really? on the Kickstarter, we're, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're definitely offering um, a behind the scenes footage into oh, the whole man. making of it. So I'm excited oh, about look, that. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's a, that's a reason enough to, yeah. to you know pledge or whatever whatever the term terms are yeah donate pledge donate pledge yeah kickstart support support. (laughs) my fiance is a videographer so he he just came in and just captured the whole thing and it was so fun so fun that stuff is so valuable you know it's so not my wheelhouse you know some videography yeah not not at all it's just some people have the vision for it but the people that you know there are musicians and artists that also have that side of it, and it's like, geez, they're like a quadruple threat. Yeah, it's like what you know. Like every, those everything that looks have, amazing. Yeah, everything like the sounds amazing. Curated Instagram yeah. profile. I'm yeah. like, oh god, I wish I had the time and the energy for that mentally. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I'm just gonna go walk my dog instead of curate my Instagram. <laughs> That's my life. How often are you on the road? A lot. It feels like you're always on the road. Yeah. And I, I'm so lucky that I just had like this three week light spell so that I could work on launching this thing. Cause it's taken a lot of time and effort, but, um, I'm about to go to Texas and South Carolina and I know that's like nowhere near each other, but, and then doing a whole West coast tour. Really? Yeah. On your own or on, or my own. Su- yeah. on your own, man. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm excited, but I'm doing the Texas tour with Scott Mulvihill, who I oh, love. Yeah, he's, he's great. a phenomenal musician. Are you guys gonna do stuff together? Yeah, yeah. I hope and we're so. bringing a band, so we're doing Cobill, and we'll each have a band for like half our set. So it's gonna be fun. Oh my god! Yeah. Wait, so you guys are both gonna be up there for most of the time? Pretty together? much. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That seems like the way to do it. It's gonna be so much fun. I've never gotten to do something like that. Scott. So. Oh my god! When he eventually, when our paths cross again, he'll be. I don't know what that was. He will be on this podcast and everyone keeps asking for him to be on. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just so incredibly talented. I know it's infuriating, (laughs) (laughs) but I totally feel that way. But then when you witness it, you're like, Oh freak. I can't even, it's mesmerizing. mesmerizing. You're under his spell. Yeah. Because people that play upright bass and sing like that, you know, Esperanza Spalding, obviously one of them, but no, like the coordination that takes, and next level and just getting the bass in tune like playing great intonation being a great upright bass player is one thing yeah but when you talk to him you know he's just talking to you sounds like a regular guy and then he goes and sings and you're like what is coming out of your face right now it's like butter 
it's unbelievable. He yeah. has one of the best like voices I, totally I, have, I have ever heard. So that, I mean, I wish you guys were playing on the East Coast. I know. Sick. You know, maybe we will do that some, at some point because yeah. this all started because we did a show together in Chicago. And I was like, we need to do more shows together. So yeah. who knows? If this goes well, we'll go to the East Coast. I like Coast. that you collaborate with people. Like you collaborate with Brian Don live. Yeah. Who's, Love who's Brian. Also super talented. He is. Great friend. Um, He's got a new record that I cannot wait the, for the world to hear that. It is beyond when does that come out i don't know yet i think he's still shopping it but it is it's my favorite brian dunn record and quite possibly my favorite record of next year he's one of the more interesting characters i've ever been around and this record captures his character his his personality you feel like you're tapping into the way he thinks and i know the way he thinks because we have spent a lot of time on the road together and and it just feels like him it just the record just feels like he's unveiling Brian Dunn. Who, who he actually yeah. is. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I mean, I watch him live and he's just like, man, you're so good. Yeah. Like, I, I just want people to, to like reach out and, and get know. it. Cause you have to like lean in when you're listening to Brian, he feeds off the audience a lot. Yeah. And that's kind of that. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's what I see when I watch him. And when he gets a, in front of a good crowd and he's yeah. before, it's like, man, this dude, no. this it knows no bounds. You know? I saw him in New York City recently, <clears throat> and you know we travel and we play like listening rooms. They're calm, quiet audiences. Mm-hmm. This was a rowdy New York City audience. They were in the palm of his hand. Really, he was hysterical. He was like a He's comedian. So funny. I know. That's the thing that people don't get. Like people, he comes off as dry and like a little. You know, the first time I met him, I'm like, I don't know if this guy likes me. <laughs> And and then, you know, he's on stage. He's hilarious. He's one of the funniest people I know. I know it. And he's so great. Watch out, world. Have you had him on your podcast? No, not yet. Okay. He's another you one. You need to. He's another one. Yeah. Um, but when you're traveling, do you just travel by yourself? Or are you with your fiance? He comes you take with your me dog now, with which you? is amazing. I can't take Stella. That would be very hairy, but... Um, I wish <laughs> I take her rolling before, before every oh, show. you know it. She is a yellow lab, but if I have a special one-off show where I can bring her, I do like, I take her to the lake every year for a lake series I do. And yeah. she just swims and then I get on stage and she sits next to me. It's adorable. That's so sweet. Yeah. She's the best, but my fiance is also the best and he comes with me, which is, it just makes everything better. Yeah. He's also an artist. He's like everything. And he makes these set lists for me every night that, I never know what they're going to look like and they're always so cool. So he makes fun. a set list for you. Yeah. But he like draws around it. He'll pick a theme. Oh my God. That's so sweet. It's so fun. I it's so never fun. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Last night was our, well, today is actually our anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. And thank you. And he's just so creative. He got me like a bottle of wine and then put his own label on it that had like all this stuff about us on it. it oh my so, God. I know. He's just it's extra. Too good. He's extra. Man, he's making us, you know, us other <laughs> fellas look bad. Um, oh man, that's so nice. Nice. That's so cool. When um, does your family is your family musical? Yes. Okay. Yes. Tell me a little bit about. I know your your mom's come out to some shows and stuff. Yeah, she's, she's very she's sweet. The best. Tell me about your family. Um, so my dad um was the the oldest son of uh, an army band leader. So my grandfather was a trumpet player and an army band leader and had five children, and I think he thought it was normal to just like have his kids every night locked in their room playing for hours on their their yeah. random instruments so and whenever anyone came over he'd line them all up and they'd have to play for 
whoever came in the house. So it's amazing. Yeah. And so my dad thought that was normal like to do anxiety with me. For me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, exactly. So whenever someone would come over, he'd have me play a song and I was the shyest kid. I couldn't take it. But I think all those hours spent playing music and listening to music with my dad. I mean, I would, I would sit an, in front of a karaoke machine, sing to my dad all the way through the song. And then you go, okay, your tone needs to change here. You were a little flat here. Try this. I didn't feel that when you said this, I just didn't believe it. You know, he would just, oh he's my, my own Paul Simon. I mean, that, Simon Paul, Simon Cowell. Simon, my own Simon Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Cowell. That's incredible. It, I, yeah. I, and I, you know what? I really enjoyed it growing and up. Did that make you able to take like con- constructive criticism better because yeah. you heard it from your, your dad early on? Yeah. You know, I wonder if it's easier to hear from my dad because I just trust his ear so much. Like I know he's going to hear things that other people aren't going to hear, yeah. but because he hears them now I hear them. Um, and you know, he's got a very picky ear. So, um, yeah, our dad sounds similar. Yeah, totally. I love your dad. He's <laughs> awesome. Um, so, but my parents supported every, you know, musical dream I ever had. They never told me I couldn't do it. They never told me it wouldn't make sense. They're both entrepreneurs. So I started young, you know, they would help me make the phone calls. They would help me write the emails. They were on my team and they still are. I'll tell you that that's something that not every kid. I mean, I didn't, oh, I, I didn't have that. I, I just, I was always shy. Like didn't want to, I always felt stupid, like reaching out and sending an email, like, Oh, I'm just going to get rejected. I still Someone's feel stupid say, no. doing it. I know. But the thing is, it's like, you have to do it. You have to like keep constantly reaching out. And that's kind of what, you know, I try to do now yeah. so many years later. Yeah. But having that at a young age is like, for I mean, sure. I don't think that I've the complete- golden gun. You're yeah. Right there. And I don't think that I've completely gotten over like asking. I mean, I know I just launched, launched a Kickstarter, but the anxiety of just needing someone, I, I just don't want to need anyone. I don't want to put them out. I don't want to inconvenience anyone. And, um, but I think that's really hard because a lot of people that I see that are successful in the music industry are just fearless. They'll ask for anything. Yeah. They're like, I want this gig. Give me yeah, this gig. Give me this gig. Yeah. And if I just get a soft, you know, answer, I'm like, okay, I'll let it be. I don't any, ever want to be friends with anyone because I like their music. Yeah. Or I need a favor. Yeah. I want to be friends with someone because I just like them. Because you just like them. You don't yeah. have to expect anything. I don't want anything from anyone. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good way to be like you're self-sufficient yeah but it like goes the wrong way sometimes <laughs> sometimes like patrick's like um you need to like go after some stuff <laughs> yeah i'm not lazy yeah no it's just i try to do it all on my own yeah but your, your talent speaks for itself i mean it's just like i don't know it's hard it's hard to ask for stuff yeah. i you know i have a patreon it's and it's you hard do? yeah cool yeah for the for the podcast oh patreon.com slash after the gig um <laughs> no and it's hard and and i don't know how to ask people yeah because it's a podcast you can get it for free and some people don't understand like wh- what the need is for you know a monetary thing but it's like it's time consuming it's time very time consuming and i would love to like come down here for a couple of days and be able to talk to a lot more people it just expands the net really totally um well, if you but, ever need a place to crash, you got a place in East Nash. I appreciate it. Oh. Wow, I never said that out loud. You wrote your next song. <laughs> That's your next country hit. My next song is called Need a Place to Crash, Come to East Nash. All right. Well, someone's going to take it and run with it. I knew I moved to Nashville for a reason. 
Are you, uh, where did you grow up? You grew up in the Northeast. Yeah, right? guess. Well, I'm, I'm guessing Massachusetts. <gasps> I wish. Thank you. Connecticut? <laughs> no, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. Outside of Philadelphia? Why? Yeah, you definitely told me that one time. It's okay. I spent so much time in Massachusetts and um, I'm obsessed with Massachusetts. It's my favorite place. I feel the most at home in that state more than any other state. And what's crazy is uh, about a year ago, I found out that my family, um, when we immigrated, we landed in, uh, what's it called? Well, somewhere in Massachusetts. Massachusetts? <laughs> There's a city. I, I was just there. I just played a house concert there. Boston. No. <laughs> oh, Plymouth. no. Plymouth. No. Land on Plymouth Rock. But we were massacred there. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm here today to talk about someone, it. So. Someone, someone wasn't. survived. Someone survived. <laughs> but I found that out and I was thinking maybe that's why I feel so attached to Massachusetts. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But I, I was so, I was so bummed to move away, to move yeah. out of Massachusetts. Well, you're still close. Super close. We're only like, we're less than an hour away. But when I moved up there, it was for school and yep. my... I don't know what your college journey was, but you know, we were both there at the same time at Berkeley. Did you, was that your, did you transfer to Berkeley? So that was your uh, high school. That's where you went. Mm -hmm. So I was like a bad student, like not a bad kid, but just didn't really apply myself. I was a class clown kind of joked around whatever. Mm -hmm. So I went to uh, a community college for two years, kind of tried to figure things out. And then I applied to Berkeley. I finally got up, like we were the saying, knife. finally got up the knife to apply to a big old school in the big city. Um, but I applied to Berkeley and I got waitlisted. Um, and I went in, did my my interview, and, and then um, my audition went, went pretty well. I think the only reason I got in was because of my audition and interview. So what year was that? Because when I was there, was they didn't... seven. Oh, so wait, were you auditioning for scholarship? No, I auditioned to... They didn't have auditions when I went there in 2006. You went in 2006. Yeah, I, so I, I came in the, the a year later. So they implemented it a year after. I think so. Okay. I yeah. mean, I know it was sometime I was there. I didn't know it was that soon. But I know what the, the process is like because I had to do it for a scholarship. And it can be pretty intimidating. It definitely wasn't for a scholarship when, okay. when I did my audition. Okay. Um, and it was audition. Uh, audition. It was um, intimidating. Yeah. Because, you know, you have like Kenwood Denard, I had Tony yep. Smith, I had uh, Terry Lynn Carrington sitting, oh sitting there. And, you know, it's like you have to sight read, which I was terrible at. Yeah. And I had something prepared and I played, you know, and I just I just wanted to like show them how I could play. Yeah. And it was so hard for me to try to like stay within the constraints because my brain doesn't work that way. I just have to like do Well, you're it, creative do it. and that's what I they, guess so. Yeah. yeah. But like... I went in and they were like, you have a lot of potential, but you just don't, you can't, there's something not happening here. And that's what Kenwood Denard said to me. And I was like, okay, okay. Thank you, Kenwood. Uh, I'll see you later. I'll see you never. Thanks. Um, so, and then Tony like sat me aside, sat me down after and he was like, you know, he might, he, he I know what he's saying, but don't let it discourage you. Like you, wow. you have something. Him. Yeah. And I went to my um, interview, and, and and it went well. And the lady was really, really nice, and she kept in contact with me, and she kept like encouraging me to like do better <laughs> in, yeah. in school, like you know, academically and, and stuff like that. But it was a nice experience getting in. When I was there, 
I had a little bit of a tough time because I wasn't always the artsy, you know, person. What was your experience at Berkeley? What do you Did mean you by enjoy that? I love sports and I love, oh. and I love like a lot of different stuff. You know, I love music is my favorite. <laughs> you're like a, you're like a full human being. You're not just like you have one side of, you just don't do yeah, one Yeah. And I, and I couldn't really, you're really, balanced. Yeah. And those other kids didn't really accept me right away. Yeah. Wow. It was hard. I'm surprised. It was a little, it was you're a little so likable. Uh, yeah. But I, I was just, I became a different person throughout, like from the start of Berkeley to the end, I was a different person. And then when I left, I was, it was just like, I completely changed. I'm a completely wow. different person than, wow. than when I, than 2007. So, which is kind of bizarre to even think about. Was your name Jesse? It was. <laughs> 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 um, what was your experience there? I mean, you got to, what time is it? You got, you okay? We, yeah. How long we got? I have a few more minutes. All right, cool. Um, I loved my time at Berkeley, but I was one of those rare, like I noticed that a lot of people in the songwriting system mm -hmm. just, uh, there was a lot of pushback, a lot of comments saying, you know, if I learn too much about songwriting, it won't be good anymore. I'll lose my magic. And I'm like, I want to know everything. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can know enough. Yeah. And so I just dove into Berkeley. I, I, I tried out for everything there was to try out for submitted my stuff to everything i was just kind of obsessed i'm so envious of that i wish i really wish i had done that yeah because i i feel like i would have i you know we didn't even know each other i know that's crazy and we had mutual friends and stuff but i yeah. stuck to that friend group like glue and i i didn't get outside of it and and, I, and you know they were great people but like i really wish i was more involved do you stay in touch with those friends from berkeley uh a couple of them yeah a couple of them and I and I run in, and the nice thing is and this has happened to me in so many walks of life like even after high school you come across someone that you didn't really know mm -hmm. and then you become best friends with them that's cool later on so like you and I know each other really well yeah. and and you know I met Brian through this through yeah. Steven through all this this whole thing yeah to actually getting out there and playing and trying to you know make your life and stuff like that um and it's interesting to kind of cross paths with people f from after. And they're like, you were there at I that know. time? Because it's so. not a big school. No. And what's also weird is to, I don't know, some people have just gotten on the scene. And I'm like, where were you all this time? Yeah. And and it's so cool that they're back at it. Like yeah. some people were like, I can't do this. I'm just going to do a corporate job and come back to it. Yeah. And that's worked for some people. But, yeah. um, and also some people just don't do it any any music anymore. That's kind of yeah. sad. Well, I, I think it just happens to people later. You know, yeah. if you're in school and you're a freshman or sophomore at Berkeley, you know, like so many drop out yeah. and it just happens from earlier, which is a bummer. It's a bummer to think about, but you know, those people I'm sure have found stuff. They're calling. Yeah, they yeah, found their calling and music wasn't it. And yeah. they had a really expensive first year for hearing yeah, that really? out. Yeah, really? God. <laughs> I, had I would just stick to it just to, for my school loans. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. Um, but, well, I'm glad that you could do this. Thank you for having I me. I want you to have plenty of time to, to get ready. Do you want to play one of the new tunes? Sure. All right, cool. Let's do it. And I'll put the headphones on and figure out. I'll get this sound right. And this is perfect. 30, 30 minutes? All right. So I feel home. Okay. This will probably, Beto will probably sound better on your voice. Okay. They're two different mics? Yeah. 
Sorry, your arms are going to hurt. Okay, this is a song um, that I wrote just in time to make it on the record about Patrick. I told him I wrote a love song for him. He said, what's it called? I said, it's called Torture. (laughs) Nice. Being without you is being locked in a room. An eternal afternoon set to a song sung out of tune. Over and over again Why does it feel like torture Not to have your skin on mine How I lived before you loved me And now I'm dying all the time All my pleasure choked by pain since I let you get away, I should have tied you to the bed when I had you in the flesh. Now I'm chained to the memory. How the music played along, how my hair came down, how you kissed my mouth with a Man, I was right. worried about your arms the whole time. <gasps> Hi, Brian. <laughs> well, all right, that was great. Thank that you was so awesome. Much for having me. Thanks, Liz. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Before the gig, after the gig. Who cares? It's Who the cares? gig. It doesn't matter. It's the gig. <laughs>